in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? The Pacers beat the Lakers last night on a buzzer-beating three from Andrew Nemhard. The Lakers at one point led in the fourth quarter 101-84 to and lost the game. The Lakers are now 7-12, and and they are 13th in the West um, on the Lakers. Well, should they should I mean, there be any hope they're going to the playoffs? Hope at seven and twelve and thirteenth in the West. It's just tough with LeBron not to say that eventually they might you know get to the eighth or ninth. Um, but they've been awful. Um, I oh, I'm going to say with LeBron they still have a chance that they still have a chance to get up to the play-in round. Yes, they certainly have a chance to get to the play-in. Um, the actual, hey, are you one of the eight teams playing in a playoff series in the West? Mm, They're not getting no. to six to guarantee no. that. They'd have to win a one two. or two play-in games, depending right. on what seed they get, if they get there. So maybe uh, winning a couple of games with LeBron, that's certainly possible. I mean, here, LeBron and Anthony Davis are good enough that they can beat any other eight, nine, 10, 11 seed in the West and be in the, you know, in the play-in. Uh, in the actual playoffs there. The other interesting part of this, the Pacers are 12 and eight. Yeah. They are currently the fourth seed in the East. Like they were supposed to be tanking for Victor Webb and Yama, and they're going to be in the playoffs. Some of point. these teams that were supposed to be tanking forgot. Yeah. Utah over here is like, <laughs> Let's, what if we just win our first 12 exactly, games? Exactly. Of the year? They kind of forgot who's yeah. number one, who the number one pick's going to be. Um, but uh, Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers, who they traded for, got from Sacramento last year. He leads the league in assists this season. And the buzzer beater that Andrew Nimhard hit last night, uh, the Pacers were down two and it was a three. So they won by one. Tyrese Halliburton threw the pass with less than two seconds on the clock. Like, that's catch and shoot, man. Right. Like, that's a no, dude, you should be shooting the ball because there's two <laughs> seconds left. But he passed it. And Andrew Nimhard drilled a three right before, got it off right before the buzzer expired. So. Somehow we live in a world where the Pacers who were supposed to be tanking are better and I like maybe significantly yeah. better than the Lakers are. And I think the Pacers are now two and zero against the Lakers this year too. Why don't you guys go to the officials with your pool reporter and ask them about the play and let them explain it to you. Right. Like, isn't that what you do? Thank you. <laughs> The Steelers beat the Colts 24-17 on Monday Night Football. The Colts' only win since hiring Jeff Saturday is over the Raiders. Um, do you get the sense that Saturday is going to be the head coach of the Steelers yes. no matter or the Colts no matter what happens? I, I think Ursay's going to keep them. <laughs> I think I think Jimmy Ursay, who's uh, a little left center there uh, from from normal, uh, is going to keep this guy as his coach. I really do. 
Did Especially you, if they keep competing in games. They've been they have not gotten blown out. No, they've um, competed in both games since the Raider game. Did you see his timeout management in the no. final two minutes? Had all three timeouts, they're down a touchdown, they get past midfield and with the ball. With the ball, obviously. And they had two plays with the clock running and they they did not call a timeout. They went from a minute thirty down to about thirty seconds. And again, had all three. He finally called a timeout before a fourth down play with like 30 seconds left. So they let 90 seconds or excuse me, a minute bleed off the clock when they didn't really need to. Matt Ryan, the quarterback? Yes. And I saw a lot of people I mean, saying Matt Ryan should Matt just, Ryan call, should the just call the timeout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I agree. I guarantee Matt Ryan knew they should have called the timeout. Right. And I agree. Matt Ryan should have just called the timeout. And got over also, and said, hey, coach. Yeah, but also, who's who's in Jeff Saturday's headset? Who's talking to him? Because remember when Jim Irsay when when Jim Irsay hired Jeff Saturday, he gave that whole quote about I love that he's never coached before because he's not scared and rely on analytics. Yeah, right. Taking timeouts is not analytics, by the way. But generally, what that means is is you have somebody telling you, hey, here's what the analytics say is the best thing to do. We've heard the Ravens talk about it a lot. We've heard the Chargers talk about it a lot with, hey, we've got multiple people giving some input as to what is the best option here. During the game. Right. Is anybody talking to Jeff Saturday during that moment? <laughs> is anybody <laughs> talking his to that sets guy? On. He, he's talking to his son about his math homework. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't, like, again... Jeff Saturday should call a timeout. Literally everybody watched, it's ever watched football was like, yeah, you should call a timeout, dude, except him. Matt Ryan should have called it. But also, who are the other coaches that are either on the sideline or in the booth? Right. Saying, let's call tell timeout Jeff here. Saturday. We need to call timeout here. Hey, man, this is when a normal coach calls a timeout. I, right. That is, to me, that is a complete failure. That is not, it's Saturday probably deserves the most blame because he got the head coaching job. But the quarterback deserves some, and every other coach yeah. on that staff that can talk to Jeff Saturday deserves it because, again, everybody watching that was like, all right, you got it. Like, maybe once you let the play clock run down because, hey, if we score, we don't want to give them the ball back with a lot of time, that's fine. But when it goes from 130 to 30 seconds left and you're still, like, 30 yards away. Is the headset on? He had it on. It was not Rich Passaccia where he didn't know how to use it. Okay. He actually had it on his head. Now, maybe he doesn't know it. Maybe that's the point. He did, he's got it on but doesn't know how to use it. Exactly. He doesn't it's never turn been, it on. He's just got it on. It's never been turned on. Maybe. <laughs> but complete failure to not call timeouts. Um, by the way, oh, wanted to get this stat out there. Neither quarterback top 200 passing yards yesterday. Matt Ryan had 199. Kenny Pickett had 174. What oh, a day. What, uh, what a Monday night game. Oh, yeah, I typed 74 in the run. Oh, my, bad. Man. my bad. That guy, that guy won the game with 74 yards. They had a hell of a game <laughs> defensively. 174. The Broncos are expected to fire Nathaniel Hackett after the season. That's according to Peter King. Is this the most obvious firing in NFL history? It is one of the most obvious firings, and I do believe the decision's been made, and and I say you have to wait till the end anyway. I think these midseason firings, when you don't have much of a shot at the playoffs, are stupid. Just let them coach it out, and and you're doing your due deal. You, you're you're already thinking of replacements right. now. You're doing right. all that due diligence. It's, so it's not a matter of uh, we're we don't know if we're going to be exactly. hiring a new one. Yeah. yeah, they're hiring a new one. I think the like why would you fire Hackett? You're not going to turn this season around, so that's irrelevant, right? You the only here's here's one reason, and I don't know who's actually on that staff. If there is an assistant that you think could be a head coaching candidate, 
you might yeah. fire Hackett and make that and guy and make the guy the coach and see. I don't know who's on that staff and if the Broncos ownership or, or front office cares if any of those guys right. have a chance at it. But if there was, like the Raiders with Rich Passaccia, I don't know if Mark Davis named him the interim, thinking, oh, he could be our next head coach. But like Rich Passaccia is a good example of a guy who, okay, that guy proved like, hey, I might be able to do this head coaching right. thing. You might want to hire me. Nobody actually, not the Raiders, not anybody else, actually took him up on it. But that would be one reason to do it. Uh, so if that guy exists, then the Broncos should fire Hackett and give the interim uh, tag to that guy. But if he doesn't, unless Nathaniel Hackett's just a toxic or something, which I haven't gotten the sense he is. He seems from the outside like a no, fine he just, dude. No, exactly. Just yeah. not good. He's not a very good coach. <laughs> not good at what he's doing. Right. Oh, it's like me. Those are great. That's that's another great question. The Chiefs are signing Melvin Gordon to the practice squad. Has he not fumbled? I don't know. Since, since they've signed him to the practice squad? What if, uh, Jared, can you inform us on this? Are the Chiefs good at recovering fumbles this year? Um, well, I... What if they just need practice recovering fumbles and they know Melvin Gordon's the guy for the job? Their bigger issue is that they're, the guys that they have who return kicks aren't good at getting the ball anywhere in their general chest, hands. Like They like to let the ball just sort of hit them and just sort of squirt wherever it goes. So, a fumble's very similar to everybody run, the ball's on the ground. Okay. So, Melvin Gordon can fumble in practice. Maybe, Mel- can Melvin Gordon return kicks? It would Ooh. be hilarious if he can suddenly, Ooh. like, suddenly he has this skill set that's like, yeah, we're just going to have him return kicks. He never muffs a punt, <laughs> never loses the ball. Exactly. It's it's doing the running back part. That's where he can't, he can't function as one of those. He only fumbles when he's at the goal line. Otherwise, yeah, he's good. going in. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty detailed question. Uh, Lionel Messi is close to a deal to join Inter- Miami. Uh, that is an MLS team, for those of you that are unaware. Lionel Messi's contract is up at PSG after this season, which is going to be in like May or June. Um, so he'd be coming over halfway through the MLS season. There's been a report. Uh, Messi's agent has denied it, though. But there's been a report that Messi could potentially get an ownership stake in Inter-Miami. Oh, if or when he does come over. Uh, David Beckham is one of the teams. Uh, or is one of the owners of the team. So there you could potentially have a David Beckham, Lionel Messi uh, ownership group there. Well, if you're the agent and you're denying it, but you're the agent and it's floated out there, wouldn't you ask for it? Yes. Oh. I mean, like, if he's going to come over, but he has to be part owner of the team. Like, yeah, okay. From a monetary standpoint, that's the only way it makes sense for Lionel Messi. Like, if you're just comparing salaries of what he would get if he stayed, you know, at PSG or anybody else in Europe, Versus coming here, he's not going to get paid nearly the same uh, in Major League Soccer. Like, not even going to be close. So if you were just comparing money, if you said, well, we'll pay you significantly less, but we'll give you ownership of this team. And basically, uh, you're taking the bet that MLS teams will be more valuable in the future. Mm -hmm. I could understand why, again, just a monetary standpoint. From a non-monetary standpoint, if you're Lionel Messi, you get to live in Miami and probably be the best player in the league and be the most popular player in the league. Like, there's there's a lot of reasons to do it from a non-monetary standpoint if you're Lionel Messi, especially if he's, like, Lionel Messi's done, has won everything you can win at the club level. He has not won the World Cup with Argentina, but at the club level, it's not like he's some player that's, oh, he wants to win the Champions League or something like that. He's 
He's done that. He's not like ring chasing. He's got him. So I, I very much could understand. Yeah, I want to live in Miami. I'll come play in Major League Soccer. I'll be the best player in the league for a couple of years, and I'll own part of the team. And if Major League Soccer actually does take off, I'll be even richer than I thought I could right. be before because Major League Soccer took off. I don't know if Major right. League Soccer is actually going to take off, but it could. There's a fun stat out there. Uh, perse- uh, it's like percentage of minutes played at the World Cup. Major League Soccer is the sixth best professional league in the world. It's the big five European leagues. And then them. And then I Major thought League they were like Soccer. eighth. Generally, if you were to rank them, it's it's hard to rank teams that play in or leagues in South America, North America, Europe, because they don't really play each other. Right. So it's hard to know. But generally, if you were to rank all the leagues in the world, MLS t- typically comes in between eight and 12. Right. Um, it's the big five in Europe are always the best five. And then like Brazil has a good league. The Netherlands has a good league. There's a few other uh, European ones that are good. And, and Major League Soccer sort of right there. Um, but maybe they're better than we thought because all these MLS players are playing in the World Cup. And it's not just the United States or Canada, right? If you, it's, there are MLS players on other countries that are in the World Cup. So. Come on, Wes Edens. That's right. Come yeah. on. Where Come is on, our buddy. damn Where's team? our stadium? Where's our stadium, Write Wessie? the check and build the stadium. Yeah, don't we worry were... about construction costs. You've got the money. Bring was, your daughter. There was a story two years ago that Lionel Messi, I don't know what Jared's referencing. I didn't know that either. <laughs> we're going to pass on that. There's a story <laughs> two years ago that Messi was going to come to Major League Soccer and there were two teams that were going to sign him, either Miami or or a new team in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. We were supposed to be in the running for this guy. <laughs> but we can't yeah, even but, get the damn team. But then cost of wood went up. Right. <laughs> right the check, Wes Edens. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, the Golden Knights won last night. Time for one more, Adam. Well, there, excuse me, there was a strange moment yesterday when it appeared one of the Seahawks players joined the play from the bench. I mean, have you seen that happen before? And I guess it didn't matter to the play necessarily in the end, but... How, how does, I guess, does the league talk to you guys and say, hey, sorry we missed that, or how does, how does that kind of work? We're the Raiders. I mean, I, I, it, you know, um, yes, I saw the play. Um, no, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I think he went out there to, like, celebrate, and then he ended up making a couple blocks there to try to help his buddy. You know, um, yeah, they, they missed the call. Um, clearly, uh, that that should have been a penalty, um, but I'll leave that at that. So, what did you guys find out? It is what it is. Huh? What did you guys find out about it in game or? Oh yeah, we saw. I saw it right when it happened. You know, I think our, our all of our offensive players came over and said the same thing. Like 52 wasn't even on the field. Was that, was that your really Raiders moment though? Was that was that it? I've had multiple of those. <laughs> I've had multiple. I'm aware of the last 20 years relative to the statistics. Um, so we'll see if we can change that a little bit. Thanks a lot. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I believe every NFL team should have a player on the sideline who is ready to jump on the field when there is a change of possession. <laughs> it would be good. Yes. Um, they they specifically... Uh, Tag out the quarterback. No, no. They, well, that should be allowed, too. But they uh, have their helmet on, obviously, ready to go. And their main job, their prep during the week, is to study referees to know when they're probably not looking. Yes. 
and run onto the field and help make a block when there's a pick. I think you might be able to do it on punts. Maybe, although punts generally go for like four yards and the guy gets tackled. So not quite as valuable, but anytime there's a pick, there's got to be a guy ready to go to run on the field. Yes. Make a few blocks and block because I don't think the refs will catch it as they did not catch it in in this game. (laughs) And listen, it was hard to see. I didn't notice it until I can't remember who somebody tweeted it out and they had to like put a box around the guy and they're like, watch this guy. And they're like, ah, (laughs) he did run on the field. It's a great play. Always be ready to run on the field. Now, the Golden Knights won last night. They beat Columbus. They blew a 2-0 lead, but still ended up winning in a shootout. Unrelated. Well, actually is related, but unrelated to the actual result of that game. Jack Eichel took a puck to the yeah. face. And off quickly with the blood running down the yeah. face. Now, first off, Jack Eichel takes a puck to the face because Nick Haig wasn't anywhere close to the net with a shot. Nick Haig shot it like 10 feet wide and like three feet high of the net and hits Jack Eichel in the face. He leaves bleeding. He actually came back out. Got it stitched up. Yeah, for the third period. Yeah. Hockey players are crazy. Played in overtime, yes. but yeah. he was the first guy on the ice in overtime and took one of the shootout shots too. Missed, obviously, because they all pretty much did. But Genuine question. It's hockey, so there's this whole hockey culture, and you don't miss time. Toughness. Bill Kessel. Should Jack Eichel take some time off? Now? Yes. I mean, once you get it stitched up and you come back and play, I don't know if he's going to take time off. But I know he's not going to. Should he? Well, if he can't remember his name this morning, then yeah, I think he should take time off. I mean... If he goes to breakfast and they say Jack and he doesn't turn around, maybe like, hey, sit out, sit out the Pittsburgh game, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, if that's what's happening, he should take time off. Like, I just, again, there's hockey culture, and I, and I will make one point. To me, there is a difference in coming back in the game that you got hurt in and playing in the next game, and that difference is in hockey, you you can't like be replaced. Because you're running through the lines, right? right? Their, their yeah. lines were a mess yesterday. They're not taking someone out of the press box. Right. Yeah. You can't do that. So, like, you kind of need to come back in that game because you need to get your lines back to normal or whatever. But their next game, if they sit him, they'll, he'll be replaced. And their lines right. will be, I mean, not normal because Jack Eichel's out. No, but their but lines will they'll be have enough people. I'm just saying, for me... It probably makes a lot of sense for Jack Eichel to to take some time off because is Jack Eichel missing two or three games here in November and December going to be the just find the Golden Knights yeah. playoff spot? Probably not. They'll probably be fine, but he should take some time off. I highly doubt he does, but he probably should. I don't think he does. Pittsburgh and Boston coming up. Come on, who cares about that? Come on, he's not going to miss right. those Bruce, games. Bruce he's Cassidy. not going to miss. He's not going to miss Brucey's homecoming. That's right. Okay, so let him sit against Pittsburgh. So he's good to go against right. Boston. So he's good to go yeah, against yeah. Bruce. Bruce Cassidy. Home. That's like best two teams in the league or something like yeah. that. Maybe New Jersey's in there. How the hell are they good, by the way? Um, by the way, on with him missing time, uh, we saw, what was it, three different guys take shifts on the first line. Will Carrier, oh, Nick, score. Nick Waugh, and Riley Smith took shifts. And actually, Will Carrier had the most time with Stone and Stevenson after that. He had more than Smith and more than Well, Wah. he's the one who can score. Apparently, he is. Um, and when Riley Smith was out there, they gave up a goal. So they were like, all right, we're done with that. But Will Carrier 
is apparently a top six replacement. And here's a question that is completely hypothetical, and the Golden Knights haven't actually run into until last night, and they probably aren't going to have to deal with it in their next game because Eichel's going to play. They have not had an injury to their top six yet. Right. Is Will Carrier first on the list to replace an injured top six player? I think your guy is. Who's my guy? Phil Castle. He didn't get that shot I know, last but I, night. I think, the, I think if it's... I think if it's like you said, a day would they probably play Pittsburgh tomorrow night? They probably wait a day, um, and there's talk among the coaches. I think they move up your guy. So my where everyone has said he'll be more productive, right? So my one of my main points in this entire hey Phil Kessel should be scratched argument is I always ask what his role is. What is his role on this team? Because well, it's supposed to be to score, right? But he's buried on a third line that plays like ten minutes a night, right? Like. That's, right. That's if he's supposed to score, you're not getting that from the third line who's scoring, you know, who's playing 10 minutes a night. So one of my main sort of caveats to Phil Kessel being scratched is if he's the first guy to come in when one of the top six gets hurt, then fine. That's what his role is. He's your he's your depth for your top six. And that's fine. But we didn't see that last night. We saw Will Carrier, Nick Wall, and Riley Smith. So if Phil, if uh, Jack Eichel or anybody else in the top six misses time and Phil Kessel's not the replacement, what are we doing here? Then your argument becomes more valid. What are we doing Because here? he's continuing to be on the third line right. not scoring, which is why they got him. Especially if it's Will Carrier that's ahead Don't of him. Don't knock Billy. I know. This guy's got eight <laughs> he's goals. He's got eight goals. Isn't his career high nine? Nine. He's one away from his tying his It's November 29th, and the guy's a goal away yeah. from tying his career high. And here's the thing. Will Carrier this year, if you just break it down by individuals, not like the whole team when they're on the ice, but just individuals, he has the most high danger chances of any player on the Golden Knights this year, which is unbelievable. It's astonishing. At, but at five on five, don't, don't, not including power plays because right. he doesn't play. Actually, I think he did last night, but he doesn't play uh, power play time. But just at five on five, he's got the most high danger chances. Also, just at five on five, he's got the second most expected goals for an individual. Mark Stone's ahead of him, but he's right behind him. Like... What? What? What's going on here? Like, Will Carey is the best player on the team, apparently. <laughs> I'm, you, not, I'm laughing, and yet every stat you said suggests that he might be. Right. We need to get this Chandler Stevenson guy off the first line. <laughs> Carey Eichel Stone? That might be. That might push them over the top. The best line that ever created in the history of the sport. <laughs> Guy's incredible. So, there you go. Play Will Carey. Uh, on the top line? Yeah. I, I'm not even waiting for an injury. Put the guy up there now. <laughs> he's he's scored eight goals on the fourth line. What's he going to do if he's with Eichel and Stone? Guy's going to score 50 in a season. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. It just beg guys not to get into the Twitter world right after the game, especially after a loss. It's never going to be positive. It's not going to be a nice place. I think that's kind of reflected in Lamar's response because what he said was just so out of character for him. That's not the way he speaks. It's not the way he talks. It's not the words he ever uses. I've never heard him say things like that before. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Yahoo Sports is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter, at 4 Uh Charles, are you planning your whole day around the United States and Iran? Um... <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, I, that's I a good answer. Home, so, I, so I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll have it on regardless. Uh, <laughs> planning my whole day around it might be a stretch. I, uh, I, I would say I'm, I'm more planning my my day around when I can take breaks from work to uh, continue playing God of War. So, uh, <laughs> that that's a bigger concern for me than the World Cup right now. I'm sorry, but 
Uh, I had to wait four years for both games, God of War, Ragnarok, and the World <laughs> Cup, and uh, Ragnarok won out this time. Are you the Kyler Murray of NFL media? Yes, yes, definitely, <laughs> With, without a doubt. Uh, talented, not always watching the amount of film that maybe you should, but uh, we're still doing enough to get by and get paid every other Friday. <laughs> uh, Charles, uh, if you're the Packers, do you sit Aaron Rodgers and say we have to see this other kid now? Uh, no, he's getting paid way too much money. Uh, I, I, <laughs> like, I, I don't. It's not. It's, look, the only way that they can move on from Aaron Rodgers is if like they just totally accept that this era of of Packers football is done. Um, because financially, like it, it's going to be tough to to uh, to kind of pivot from that. You know, even if Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers were to retire. Uh, that's something that would still put the Packers in a pretty heavy hole as far as the cap are, are, is concerned. So, you know, I, I know that this season is, is lost over um, their long shot to make the playoffs, and even if they do, we know that they're not going to get anything done. Uh, it, it, it would just have to be a more conscious decision, I think, than, hey, we need to see what Jordan Love can do. It, it, it's, it's Realistically, you're asking yourself, uh, are we done with this era of Packers football? Because if you are, then... Yeah, maybe you sit Aaron Rodgers and train him in the offseason, but if you do that, like financially, you're not really going to have too many avenues to, to actually upgrade your team. And uh, I think a, a comparable situation is like you'll 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 find yourself like where the Falcons are, where uh, you know you have to trade away some franchise legends in the past couple of years, and uh, the result of that is about eighty million dollars worth of dead cap for this year. And I think you're kind of seeing where, uh, at least as far as the Falcons go, like where their ceiling is and where they definitely could use some better players that they couldn't afford uh, uh, this season. And that's kind of where the Packers have to make that decision. Like, are we done? If we're done here, then yeah, Aaron Rodgers down. But if not, uh, we want to retool for another, another run at it. Then you probably just need to keep them playing. Charles McDonald with us from Yahoo. So uh, the Atlanta Falcons lost another Atlanta Falcons game. Um, but yeah. what, what are we, we, we got like six games left in the season and there's still only a game behind Tampa or, as a Falcons fan. What is your hope level for them actually winning that division? Uh, like zero. Oh, uh, come on. Zero. Okay. Look, I mean, look, as sad as it is to say, they still have the best offense in the division. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just in terms of point scoring, like they're, they're ahead of the rest of the division by a pretty, pretty wide margin. Uh, but the defense has failed them. Uh, I, look, I I don't really care if you make the playoffs or not. Um, you're out of Bryce Young range for sure, which to me is like, all right, well, if you're not going to get Bryce Young, you might as well win as many games as possible. Uh, and the, the, the funny thing is, is if they had just you know stayed the course and kept running the ball and scored a touchdown at the end of that Washington game, uh, they would be first in the NFC South right now, which is ridiculous when you look at how – uh, how this is actually played out, but you know the, the whole NFC South. Like I, I think that instead of asking me like should the Falcons make the playoffs, would I be excited for a Falcons playoffs run? Because the answer is no. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> they would get they would get absolutely curb stomped in the wild card round, no matter who they play. Uh, because you know because <laughs> you know the, the the messed up part about the NFL uh, playoff structure is you know you have a team like. The Falcons, let's say, if they were to make the playoffs, they would host a home playoff game against a team that is like five times better than them. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I am, 
I am very good on the Dallas Cowboys coming to Atlanta and absolutely beating the hell out of the Falcons. No one needs to see that game. I don't need to see that game. And, in fact, I'll take it one step further. I don't think the NFC South just needs to be involved in the playoffs at all this year. Like, I've, I've, I've kind of been someone like, okay, how about instead of doing this, instead of doing it this way, uh, we shake it up. We go uh, just one through seven, the best seven teams in each conference by record. And if that were the case this year, none of the NFC South teams would be in. Uh, the entire NFC East would be in. And I think that that would make for a better playoff, a better playoff pool. Like, if the playoffs were to be held today, the Dallas Cowboys would go to Tampa Bay to play whatever is left of that Tampa Bay team. And I know that the, the Buccaneers beat them week one to start the season, but come on, like, based on what we've seen over the past month or so, especially since Zach Prescott has been back, like, that Cowboys team has to be one of the best five seeds that we've seen in quite some time. So you think the Cowboys could go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think they could. Uh, it's funny that, you know, I, I think that there are three, like, legit contenders in the NFC, and none of them are the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, I, I think all of them have a chance uh, to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, the Eagles with how just complete that team is. And, you know, I, I, I know that, that, that Jalen Hurts has rightfully gotten a ton of credit for what uh, the Eagles have been able to do this year. But I think, you know, you, you can't really forget how good that pass defense has been. Uh, I know that, you know, Sunday against the Packers wasn't their best. Uh, performance at all, but for the large majority of the season, like Darius Slay and James Bradbury have been the best cornerback duo in the league, and we all know how they, how well they can rush the passes. So, you know, if they can fix the run defense, that should be uh, one of the best defenses, one of the best, you know, Super Bowl bets in the league. Uh, 49ers, their defense hasn't given up a point in like 94 minutes of game time. Uh, so, you know, if, if they can continue to do that, I think they're definitely Super Bowl contenders, and we just talked about the Cowboys. So, uh, Minnesota, like, they're a little bit too flimsy for me. To me, that seems like a one-and-done in the playoffs. They kind of remind me of uh, uh, of the Titans from past seasons, or I guess this season, every season, Tennessee Titans. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think those are the three in the NFC. Uh, when you played football, did you ever have a coach get hurt on the sideline like Sean McVay did? Uh... uh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you, you, you get guys that like, get rolled up on a lot, and we had a, a coach in college. Uh, he was really short, uh, and, you know, sometimes you don't see him on the sidelines. So uh, <laughs> one time we, just, we were right off the field after a stop, and, you know, he, he kind of got trampled when we were amped up a little bit. But, uh, you know, it it, uh, it, it, it happens. I, I haven't really seen someone get clocked as hard as Sean, Mc, uh, Sean McVay did, but, you know, you definitely get a coach who's, who's in the way for friendly fire every once in a while. Do you remember a player who didn't have his fifth-year option picked up that's doing as well as Josh Jacobs? Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's interesting because – Usually, when you see uh, the fifth-year option not get picked up, uh, that's usually a bad sign for a player. But it, I think an underrated talking point of it is uh, it kind of puts you in an immediate contract year. And, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because usually, like when you're looking at a guy who's in a contract year, if you're at a first-round pick and your contract year is year four, usually things have not gone all too well for you. Uh, but in this case for Josh Jacobs, like he's going to get to the money faster because um, 
he, he's definitely played himself into uh, a pretty pretty sizable contract extension, I would say. I don't know if it's going to be uh, with the Raiders or another team, but, uh, man, like, he, his, his season kind of fascinates me because remember where we were in, like, August where he was playing in, like, the Hall of Fame game, yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. that's, a, that's a little bit surprising for a starting running back because we've gotten to the point with preseason, how we treat the preseason, that, you know, a starting bona fide workhorse running back playing in the first game, especially the Hall of Fame game, uh, is something that we wouldn't really see. But he's he's become like an integral part to uh, to the to the Raiders' offense this year. And, and, and obviously, you know, the Seattle game is uh, what's on everybody's mind. It's his best game of of his career, I would have to guess. Uh, but this has kind of been a whole season thing where he's been kind of the anchor for an offense that has gone through waves of being productive. So uh, I, I can't really think of a first-round pick that's had a year like this. You know, Daniel Jones is kind of in a similar boat, although Josh Jacobs has been, uh, I think, a much better, much more consistent player than him this year. So, you know, you, you kind of have two guys, Daniel Jones and, and Josh Jacobs, who didn't have their shift-year options picked up. But at the same time, like, I, I, I'm i hard-pressed to find, like, an NFL team wouldn't want, like, them wouldn't want their services in some capacity. And in Josh Jacobs' case, he's going to get paid a whole lot of money. All right, uh, get two TVs set up, play God of War on one, have the United States on the other, and you just look up every, like, five minutes to see what the score is. Yeah, I think I'll just – and then I'll go on Slack and just move my mouse around so it's so accurate. <laughs> Hopefully my boss is listening to this. <laughs> he is Charles McDonald from Yahoo. Again, follow him on Twitter, at 4Birds. Charles, as always, Thanks, we Charles. appreciate it. All right, see you next week. Uh, so there is the Kyler Murray of the NFL media world in Charles McDonald. All right, we got tickets to give away. Uh, if you want to go see Luke Bryan, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We've got tickets to go see Luke Bryan. Uh, he is coming to Las Vegas, and you've got a chance to go see him on December 7th out at Resorts World. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number nine right now at 702 702- 367-702-364-1100. Based on everything I've heard, it was like all the teams that were in the postseason that year were like doing the same. So I think that's also kind of why like the players like kind of had that like half apology energy when they were like apologizing all this stuff because they probably knew like, man, like we got caught. Like everyone was kind of doing this stuff. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Congratulations to Danny. He is going to see Luke Bryan. We are also going to have tickets to go see ZZ Top a little bit later in the show. Uh, We are coming down to the final minutes of the first games of the World Cup. The Netherlands is beating Qatar. The Netherlands is going to win the group. Senegal leads Ecuador 2-1. If Senegal wins, they get out of the group as the second place team and would be the likely opponent for the United States. If we advance, if Ecuador scores, though... It'll be a draw, and Ecuador will advance. Uh, they are in the 90th minute of that game. It's only 12 more minutes to play. Say, I was actually going to say, so there's about 42 <laughs> minutes left of extra time. And it'll be great. Um, tomorrow, Chris Chapman, or no, today, Chris Chapman is out at Parkway Tavern in the district. Tomorrow, I'm out there at 11 o'clock for Mexico, Saudi Arabia, plus Argentina and Poland. Those games are going on at the same time. So Parkway Tavern at the district is the place to be today and tomorrow to watch the final days of these group stages, see if the United States and Mexico can get out of the group. All right. We'll get more to the United States in Bischoff's briefs 
915 yelling at you about why we're so great. But yesterday, one of the first uh, big free agent signings in baseball, the Astros signed Jose Abreu. Uh, it's a three-year deal uh, worth around $58.5 million. Nobody's actually confirmed that. Um, Jose Abreu last year, his OPS plus was 133. His career OPS plus is 134. Uh, he only had 15 home runs, but he hit uh, 304 as an average. He does turn 36 in January. Yeah. So the Astros. For are, your Astros, they took a guy who's on the north end of things. They are uh, paying what he was worth like the last three years. When he was the MVP a couple years ago. But getting his next three years, right. which is probably not the smartest thing to do. But I think he'll be good next year. And will be he's probably going to hit sixth in the Astros order. So are you they can afford their sixth hitter to start declining. Excited that there are supposedly discussions about acquiring one Cody Bellinger? God, that would be funny. Um well it'd be hilarious because he'd go and be the MVP. Which would also be funny. Um the Astros only have two left handed hitters that would probably make their roster right now. Uh they're very right handed heavy. So Bellinger makes sense in that regard. And also he's a very good defensive outfielder. He's a terrific outfielder. Um, I would find it funny if the Astros signed Cody Bellinger and he was great. Yes, I'm, I would not. Uh, as somebody who doesn't normally care about like, ah, how do the people interact, whatever, go play the sport and win games. I do wonder if Cody Bellinger would actually not work with the Astros, like locker room, clubhouse, whatever we call it. In really? Really? I mean, he was one of the most outspoken players about the Astros cheating. About they, he 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 had the whole quote about they stole a World Series from us. Right. He stole an MVP from Judge and all that. Carlos Correa told him to shut the hell up. That was great. Um, Cody Bellinger doesn't have a hit since Carlos Correa told him to shut the hell up or something like that. Um, so I do I do genuinely wonder if they if that's something they can just get over. Uh, if they can, I think it'd be funny if they signed Cody. That's Bellinger. okay. Jeff Bagwell doesn't know any of that happened, and he's out there now signing people to contracts. <laughs> the, the Astros do not have a general manager, and yet they just signed Jose Abreu. Uh, they had their press conference this morning, and the owner of the Astros said that two people negotiated this. One of the assistants that is acting as an interim GM. They have three fake GMs at the moment, and the other guy was Jeff Bagwell. That's um, beautiful. The World Series champions. So Jeff Bagwell, he he, he has been in, in like an advisor role with the Astros for the last couple of years. But Jeff Bagwell um, sits behind home plate for the majority of the games. And Jeff Bagwell is the fill-in on the TV broadcast when the play, when the color analyst is gone. Right. So whenever the color analyst has like a vacation or something, Jeff Bagwell is the fill-in. And now he's interim general manager. Yeah, out there signing people. I did just read a quote that Jeff Bagwell uh, talked to the media uh, after the press conference. <laughs> and Jeff Bagwell did say, I don't want to be the general manager. And that if he was asked to interview, he would decline. So I think I'm going to survive Jeff Bagwell not randomly the becoming the GM and just making decisions based off, well, he looks like a baseball player which is what I imagine Jeff Bagwell does. So what they need is just a guy to sort of follow what has already been happening as far as like analytics and like, what, like, Hey, just, just sort of show up, put out a lineup. You'll be fine. Don't do anything stupid or controversial. I think I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they got the manager part set with that. 
You got to be the one that pulls the strings on Who the makes analytics. the absolute decisions. Um, I do have another unfortunate quote to read about the guy making decisions for the Astros. Um, Jeff Bagwell said that he personally felt the Astros had gone too analytics heavy. Yep, he's out. And said there are certain things that go on that the numbers can't explain. This game is played by humans, man. It's not played by computers. <sighs> oh man, no wonder you don't want this guy. Oh boy. Oh no. And I like Jeff Bagwell a lot too. But just be well, the, as a player. Be the funny guy that comes on the TV broadcast six times a year, and not the guy negotiating contracts. contracts who doesn't like you. analytics? <laughs> Apparently, um, Brad Ausmus could be the Astros' next general manager. Okay. Played for the Astros. He's managed another in, former player. Yeah, he's managed in Detroit, and was he a manager in Oakland or just? A, I think he's just an assistant in Oakland this past year. I don't year. remember him being the head manager. No. Um, but apparently he does like analytics. So how is that still a thing? I don't know. The, like, the Astros the... just what the Astros have been the best team in baseball for half a decade because of analytics and the owner and Jeff Bagger are like, we don't care about what your computers say. <laughs> the gut feel. They, they've literally been awesome because of analytics. I, this is genuinely the I it's not it's not like they're the Royals or something and they're like, well, we tried this analytics thing the last four years and we suck. So we're gonna go back to looking at guys and if they look like baseball players. I mean, the Royals are the example from like the 2015 Royals are the example of wait, no one is bunting. None of these <laughs> none of these none of these infielders know how to field a bunt. Okay, we're gonna bunt and literally watch watch the Mets go. Um, uh, he hit it on the ground. <laughs> what do I do? It's just, they're going to win the World Series again. I'm well, very of course happy. they are. I shouldn't complain. Because they're pitching. I shouldn't complain, but they're also being run by what I think are morons at the moment. They're still going to win the World Series. From the owner to the non-GM to the manager. Yes. Yes. Dusty, here's the thing. Dusty hasn't said anything I'm, to anybody. He's back. I'm the least upset at Dusty yeah. right now. Well, he's, he's not doing most, anything. He's the most analytically inclined of anybody still with that team. <laughs>